0: From Upstate Medical University in Syracuse, New York, I'm Amber Smith. This is HealthLink on Air. Today, I'm speaking by phone with Dr. David Ansell, who graduated from Upstate in 1978, and now he's the Senior Vice President for Community Health Equity at Rush University Medical Center in Chicago. He's been taking care of people in Chicago for almost four decades. Thank you for chatting with me this morning, Dr. Ansell.
1: Well, thank you for having me.
0: Can we start with a definition of what health equity means?
1: Yeah, uh, health equity means, there are a number of different uh, definitions of health equity uh, The but put out by many different uh, organizations. And Robert Wood Johnson, for example, has one. Um, I, I kind of think of, health equity in the following way. It's simply, uh, how do we ensure that those who need more get more? Hmm. That the idea of equality uh, is is that everything is applied equally to everyone. But if somebody needs more Or somebody needs less equity is making sure people get the right dose of what they uh, they need. Uh, Robert Wood Johnson says that health equity means everyone has a fair and just opportunity to be healthier. So it's it's a simple thing that that they have a chance. So I was in a discussion this morning about uh, uh, colonoscopies for colorectal cancer, and at our institution. We have higher no-show rates among patients who uh, are on Medicaid, for example. So, um, what do you do in that situation? Well, equity would suggest is you have to try to understand why are people not making it for their screening, and if it's things like transportation or if it's childcare or other things like that, in a in a equity framed organization, you'd be thinking about the ways to solve those gaps. That get in the way of uh, people's opportunity uh, to have a fair and just opportunity to be healthier. That's just a that's just an example.
0: So it seems uh, like deeper than the the notion of health equality. It seems yeah. Like equity if you goes think further. about it,
1: uh, health equality means you know people say, "Well, if you come to our place, everybody gets the same care." But what's wrong with that? Well, one is not true. We know that in studies of uh, Uh, minorities uh, coming to health care or women versus men is that with the same set of doctors and the same set of symptoms people don't get the same care so uh, that's that's inequality but it's also uh, we have inequitable care let me uh for example uh the uninsured don't get the same care Mm -hmm. Uh, oftentimes they can't get in the door people on medicaid uh, there are many doctors in a, in a number of institutions that don't provide the same care for folks who are on Medicaid. Uh, it's where when a decision about where you put your offices and clinics and hospitals, oftentimes poor neighborhoods or neighborhoods that have, quote, poor payer mix, uh, and there's poor people, uh, don't have the same access to clinics. Sometimes it may be that people don't have the transportation uh, uh, to get uh, to a place. So there's many ways in which equity is different than uh, equality. What I say about our health care system is we have an unequal health care system. Some are in and some are out. And then it's on top of it, it's inequitable.
0: Well, how does a nation achieve health equity, or is it possible for a nation to achieve health well, equity?
1: Well, one, you have to decide that uh, equity is uh, uh, an important lens to look at how we're delivering uh, how we're delivering uh, health care. Um, we're in a nation that has not yet decided, uh, though I think we're gradually on our way, that healthcare and the right to healthcare is a human right. Uh, That gets to the equality measure. Uh, Canada has a system like that, or Great Britain and Germany uh, have a system where uh, healthcare is considered a human right, and therefore there's an entitlement uh, to access, just like there's universal school, or uh, in our towns we have uh, roads and sewers uh, that can be used by everyone, uh, not to say the right to a road is a human right, but um, w- uh, we haven't decided that as a nation. But if we did, and there was universal health care, that would be equality. Everyone would have the same card and the same access to care. But there's still going to be gaps, uh, uh, and we've found this not just in the United States that uh, go for, actually from neighborhood to neighborhood, there are gaps. But across the world, even in countries that have universal health care, there are some folks who are thriving and some folks who are not thriving, even with universal health care. And so what drives those other things are the social and structural uh, conditions, oftentimes neighborhood conditions, that expose people, uh, I call it, to the toxic stress of living uh, that uh, Predispose people to, one, be exposed to a larger burden of disease, and then they have trouble accessing health care uh, afterwards. And those gaps in this country have to be addressed as well. So I think we, on the one hand, we have to address uh, the uh, the need for universal uh, access to health care as a fundamental human right. And then we have to address the fact that there are some neighborhoods in the exposure to social determinants of health, like poverty, like uh, low education, like uh, stress and other things like that, that that in addition uh, expose people to a burden of disease and then lead to per- poor health outcomes.
0: So, in improving access and and maybe universal health care; those are things that might kind of step toward health equity, but it it's not enough.
1: Yeah, but you have to also think it's what we're what we're doing now I mean, uh, in my work at uh, Rush University Medical Center. Uh, in Chicago, we're beginning to ask people when they come in the door about things that could be getting in the way of their health, like do you have housing? You know, Do you have affordable, safe housing? Do you have food? Do you worry about when your next meal uh, is going to come? Have you gone foodless because you couldn't pay for it? Is your electricity on? We found that we started screening our patients in Chicago, and I'm sure it's no different in Sh- in Syracuse that 30% of our patients screen positive to having one or more non-medical but a social determinant of poor health. So if you're a diabetic and you're on insulin and you don't have a home or you do have a home but the electricity is off and your insulin can't be in the uh, refrigerator, how are you going to achieve your health outcomes? Wow. Uh, So we're beginning to screen, and folks around the country are beginning to do that, and understanding that we have to not just treat the physical manifestations of health, but the social determinants of health. And just like there's social determinants of health, which are the conditions uh, in which we live, grow, learn, work, uh, uh, et cetera, there are social and structural determinants of inequity. Who in this country is much more likely to be uh, assigned to neighborhoods where there are the conditions are such that lead to worse uh, health outcomes? And in this country, it's poor people in general, but African-Americans, uh, Native Americans specifically, who are more likely to live under social conditions that lead to poor
0: health you're listening to Upstate's Health Link on air. I'm your host Amber Smith and I'm talking with Dr. David Ansel. He graduated from Upstate in 1978 and today he's the Senior vice President for Community Health Equity at Rush University Medical Center in Chicago. So what, uh, what becomes the role of a doctor when if you're screening for these things and you find out that you have a patient who doesn't have adequate access to, to food or electricity, what do you, what do,
1: you do about that? Uh, well, I wrote the, I wrote uh, a book called "The Death Gap: How Inequality Kills," uh, which sort of lays out the problem uh, not just in the United States but around the world, uh, uh, and talks about potential solutions uh, for this work. So, the premise of the book, and it comes out of being. 40 years as a doctor in Chicago, literally on one street in Chicago, since I left upstate. So 40 years ago, I graduated upstate, came to Chicago to become a doctor and have practiced for 40 years in one neighborhood. And I call that experience one street, two worlds, because there's two worlds of uh, neighborhoods and two worlds of health and healthcare. And what I could see through the eyes of my patients were Uh, that it wasn't my medical care that made the difference. It was their social living conditions that were really impacting their health. And what that requires for doctors is to think about what are the upstream drivers for poor health and then what should we do as doctors and health systems uh, to address it. So, uh, my medical center in Chicago, Rush, is taking health equity or community health equity on as a strategy. And the strategy says, if we're going to improve health, we're going to have to address the fact that there are these vast life expectancy gaps uh, between neighborhoods. Uh, and in Chicago. Uh, the example that I give is if you live in the Gold Coast in Chicago, you can live to 85, but you go down the train line, the L tracks, three stops past my hospital rush in a neighborhood of Garfield Park, life expectancy is under 69 years, and the last time mm-hmm. in the United States... Life expectancy was under 69, was 1950. And people think of Chicago, and they think of gun violence, but it's not gun violence. I say a structural violence, the number one and two cause of death, are heart disease and cancer. So it requires us to not just screen for the social determinants of health when people come into our offices, which you know very few places in the United States are doing right now. Are you hungry? Do you have a home? Like, what's getting in the way? Can you afford your medicines? Uh, uh, what else is going on in your life that might be getting in the way of your health? But it does require us to go in the neighborhoods and figure out how can we, as healthcare institutions and physicians and nurses, have an impact on the conditions in the neighborhoods that um, are producing poor health? Because it is a fact in the United States that where you live dictates when you die. And uh, what we're seeing across the country is is people dying prematurely. So I'll give you an example of the kinds of things that we've started to do when we took equity on. We said, how do we use the fact that Rush, my institution now, is the largest private employer on the west side of Chicago, a neighborhood of 500,000 people, to leverage our business of uh, units to hire locally, create career pathways, purchase locally, create new businesses off of our supply chain, uh, impact, invest in these neighborhoods, and volunteer in these neighborhoods. What can we do as a collective healthcare uh, institution while we begin to inquire of our patients? about the conditions they're living under that can impact their health. Uh, It's big and bold, uh, but we've uh, made the goal uh, here to reduce the life expectancy gap by 50% by 2030. And the only way you can do that is by going, is is viewing the role of doctors and health systems, not just to be within the four walls, but outside the four walls. Syracuse, the poorest city in uh, New York, is, would be a prime place to do this work.
0: It sounds like it. Well, I read a biographical description that called you a health activist, and I wondered, you know, when you were attending medical school at Upstate, did you think that that's kind of where you were headed?
1: Yeah, you know, uh, first of all, I knew I wanted to be a doctor, and uh, Upstate was just a great training place uh, to learn medicine, but when I got to medical school, uh, I really struggled in my first year uh, because I could see that there were other drivers uh, uh, around health than medical care. And a group of uh, upstate medical students, including myself, got together and began to study the U.S. healthcare care system. And all of us, I think, decided at that point in time that healthcare was a human right, and we were going to, you know, dedicate our work uh, to that premise. And, you know, that point in time, uh, I think the first inklings that I was going to be a health activist arose because, you know, if you don't like the way things are, you've got to do something to uh, change it. and you know, along the way, I built my uh, practice and my academic career on the premise that the U.S. health care system was flawed. Uh, it was it was uh, structurally uh, problematic. We don't have universal health care, and that, for me as a doctor, needed to work on these things. And so, I uh, evolved into becoming a health activist. And in fact, I describe myself that I'm a physician first. I'm a social epidemiologist. I got a degree in public health, uh, but I'm also a health activist third. And while I've held different titles and uh, in different institutions, that's what drives my work.
0: Wow, well, interesting. It's been very uh, enjoyable to talk with you, and it sounds like you're doing some really meaningful work. My guest has been health activist, Dr. David Ansel from Rush University Medical Center in Chicago. I'm Amber Smith for Upstate's Podcast and Talk show, Health Link on Air.